Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porry. I'm joined, as ever, by Steve Anglesey. Hello, everyone. A bit later, Jerry, Scott and myself will be chatting about another bizarre and bonkers week in the world of the Labour Party. Yes. And then we will crown a Brexiteer of the week, of we course. We will. But first, we've got Boris on our front this week. We've got Boris. It's a really great cartoon. He's, uh, I'll describe it so that you can recognise it when you go to your newsagents. And buy it. It is Boris. Face he's something. sort of Lord Kitchener, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's Lord Kitchener, but he's sort of doing it. What do you call it? What, what's he's thumbing his nose. Thumbing his nose at, at us. Everyone, frankly. yeah. And it says, instead of your country needs you, it says. Whole country needs better than him, I think it says. Yeah. Um, I'm presuming that since you're listening to this podcast, we're not all dead yet as a result of the um, worsening world situation. Well, let's hope so. But I think the tone of the piece in the New European is... Well, it says on the, on the cover, it says he's a silly man in serious times. And these and, are uh, increasingly, increasingly serious times. Yeah, right? they very much are. And, and, and all this um, has been played out on Twitter, it, bizarrely. What has happened? Oh, yeah, my goodness. What it has really happened to is. the world? There's a very good piece inside the New European by Alistair Campbell on Boris Johnson. Uh, he is talking about foreign secretaries that he worked with. Obviously, uh, Robin Cook is the first one yeah. to come to mind who, who ended up resigning over Iraq. Um, uh, but you know, he's, he's listing the, uh, the the group of foreign secretaries that we've had uh, since Labour took uh, office uh, and right up to Boris Johnson, and they are to a mind uh, 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 to a person very uh, serious minded people. Uh, and Boris Johnson is not a very serious-minded person. And Alistair Campbell says, he writes, um, part of the art of diplomacy is to be inside the minds of other leaders and governments as they consider their own policies and actions. Does anyone seriously imagine foreign governments sit around asking, what will Boris Johnson say? And, you know, in these serious times, that really is the issue, isn't it? Do you know, the thing, uh, the thing that sums up where Boris is and what Boris is for me, it happened to me this week. A colleague, um, new European stalwart Jasper Copping, we should give him a name. Yes, right? and I were doing a picture search for Boris. Yes, and we spent about half an hour just almost crying with laughter at the. the there's so many great pictures of him, and I, I know that. I know that some of this is done knowingly by Boris. Well, all of it's done knowingly by Boris. But he's the foreign secretary. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's not. He could. He could even get away with it a little bit more as London Mayor. 
he could certainly get away with it as a backbench MP or as a media commentator or whatever his other guys are. But he's the foreign secretary. Uh, but yeah, and he's. I mean, now in a serious time, he's unfit to be the foreign secretary. But in less serious times, he's unfit to to be the foreign secretary. Um, just stepping away from this, just for a second, just stepping away from from Syria and everything that is happening here and the important role that he should be playing in that. Which you know, I, I presumably I feel that number ten uh, yes, would be so heavily involved because they they don't want to let him loose on well, any absolutely. of Absolutely, I think uh, Theresa May has has taken taken over the role of foreign secretary. Well, exactly, and she's had to. And, and you know, let's look at, at what happened at, at the weekend or, or straight after the, uh, the the election in Hungary. Now, during the referendum campaign. Boris Johnson made great show in the final days of the, the referendum campaign. He made a great show of talking about how Nigel Farage and his breaking point poster was completely beyond the pale. Yeah, Xenophobic undertones, he said he was profoundly unhappy with it. It was saying that these, these people were bad who were coming into our country. It was the poster showing a lot of Syrian refugees, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, foul, uh, foul, foul thing it was. And it was re- absolutely revolting. And... In Victor Orban's re-election campaign, they have used that poster. Mm. They covered over the words breaking point with a stop sign, but they used exactly the same image. It was exactly the same poster. And what did Boris Johnson do when Victor Orban won? He tweeted, congratulations to Fidesz and Victor Orban. We look forward to working with our Hungarian friends to develop our close partnership uh, further. So, you know. um, I just... When there's actual diplomacy to be done, he fails on every single thing, don't we? Look at the last six months. September, he's got to be shut up by his own yeah. civil servants when yeah. he goes into a temple in Myanmar and starts reciting a colonialist, colonial, colonialist rather, poem by Kipling. October, he gets away with this at the Tory conference because, of course, what happens next is Theresa yeah. May's disastrous speech. Yeah. But he says that... Uh, that insert uh, people, there are wonderful guys, wonderful UK business people who want to turn Sir into the next Dubai. The only thing they've got to do is clear the dead bodies away. Even the people, in, even the Tories, even the old men and women who you see asleep every year at the Conservative <coughs> Party conference were appalled by this. You could hear the reaction in the hall. It was well, we terrible. We forget, actually, because of what happened at the climax of the conference, um, the, the chaos that Boris had been trying to cause all week at the Tory party. Yeah, conference. of course. I mean, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Just the, that was just the pinnacle of the of, of the bonkersness. Yeah. Um, so that's in October, November. We've got the you know the, which he should have been sacked for the Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe yeah. balls up. Still, still not sorted out. Two two years. It's been two years now since she's been in custody. Yeah, April her poor the third. Husband. Well, absolutely, and he said this week that he was disappointed in the failure of Boris Johnson's efforts. You know, he flew out there in December. Nothing has absolutely nothing has changed, um, and uh, his mission in December has totally failed. And Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe's husband was in the media this week saying that it is now a test of endurance. He was really disappointed with Boris Johnson. He was calling on Theresa May to get involved because Boris Johnson couldn't get it over the line. And the Foreign Office response was to say, we will not be providing a running commentary on any every twist and turn. That's a disgraceful statement everyone, in his own. Everyone, on its own. Any, any, any PR or spokesman who said the words, 
we will not be giving a running commentary. Should be smashed repeatedly over the head Complete, with a spade. Completely. February, of course, the letter saying the government didn't have any responsibility to stop a hard border on the island of Ireland. March, port and down. Mm. And as Alistair Campbell says, a few months ago, I received a WhatsApp message from a senior member in a foreign government who had met Boris Johnson for the first time. He wrote, how is this clown your foreign minister? <laughs> Anything anyone says he makes a joke of, is this all he can do? And he also, this, this, foreign, this senior minister in a foreign government also told Alistair Campbell that Boris Johnson was happy to admit in private company that Brexit was not going to plan but somehow Britain would muddle through. We haven't even mentioned Brexit. I love, I love that, 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 that our goal and target and aim is to muddle through. Yeah, we're going to muddle through with oh, Boris Johnson. British of us. Is he, I mean, is he still unsackable? That's, that's my question. Well, any, any one of those He's fallen things, out with Michael Gove again, we know. Yeah, any one of those things could have potentially got a... Anybody another, else would have gone. Another Foreign Secretary sacked. So... Uh, um, apparently so. Apparently he is untouchable. Yeah, well, he, uh, he he must be. I I, I was, you know, I, I think we're st- we're all presuming that even despite the, the the sort of the problems of the Labour Party at the moment, that the Conservatives are going to get a massive kick in at the local elections on May the third, and. Um, and I was I noted this week those, those remember those stories about Corbyn's favourability rating with YouGov, which has gone down to minus twenty three. Yeah. It was it was in the black, I think. Yeah. And Mays is now minus thirteen. Boris Johnson's favourability rating with YouGov is minus thirty six. Mm. People genuinely do not like Boris Johnson. Trump like uh, it is Trump like, and you know you maybe if it goes really badly, maybe she would have to do something about it. What is what is appalling, though, is that we're headed into a global crisis with a total clown as the Foreign Secretary, a proven liar, and he's unfit for office. It is a, a real concern. It is a real concern. Um, and, you know, there's no, we like the odd gag on this podcast, but to be honest... <laughs> There's nothing much to laugh at, is well, there? No, I mean, he, but he is a joke, but the, it is a joke that is completely on us all. Yes. It is. All right. Shall let's... we talk about something more interesting? Let... Yeah, well, I would like to I would like to big up the new European podcast from last week. Yeah. For getting involved you in... You, absolutely, the, you called I, this. I was obsessed last week with the new Rising Centre and the STP. Thank you for everyone who sent me pictures of STP Merch. T-shirts. Yeah, I've... I have ordered some. Um, do you think Hattersley did Hattersley? Do you think Roy Jenkins and that used to do the stall after the gig, <laughs> the initial gang yeah, of four gigs? I imagine so. And you I could get Bill so. Rogers to sign the t-shirt. I hope so. Yes, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, and the tote bags. Yeah, all of that. But, but early then... demos of David Owen. <laughs> but then, on on Sunday. In an observer splash, yeah. we we found out a little bit more detail, yeah, about uh, the funds. Really, were the sexy bit, weren't they? Fifty million, fifty million pounds. quid. Simon, Simon Franks, Franks, yeah, who's Mister Love Film, yeah. Does that still go in? Well, I didn't. I sell up to Netflix, or were they swallowed by was somebody it, was else? Was it just to get rid of them? Because I, I mean, I offered to lend a millennial a DVD. <laughs> Did you a millennial? A millennial. I said, um, I'll tell you the whole story if you well, want. Well, I, I imagine it. Did it end in I don't have a DVD player, Grandad? <laughs> well, it did. Yes. Yeah, okay. No, it, not quite as polite as that actually. Okay. Yeah. So I was talking about my favorite, my favorite um, film. Yes. Go on. 
Which do you want to guess what it is? Well, is it? I don't know. What is it? Is it? <laughs> You've definitely is seen it. it. Um, what is it? Is it when Saturday comes with Sean Bean <laughs> or the Full Monty? I'm trying to think of Yorkshire related. No, it's nothing to do with films. Yorkshire. It's a foreign film. It's a foreign film. Yeah, because oh, it'll I'm be a one with. Yeah, it'll be hipster. a pretentious one with loads of sex in it. Betty Blue, I would imagine. Yeah, Betty Blue. Well, well done. <laughs> so, I... <laughs> posh porn, so... frankly. Yeah. Very so, good. I, so I was describing this film to yeah. said millennial, yeah. and said millennial had never heard of this film. Okay. So I said, "I'll lend you the DVD." Yeah, yeah. And said, "Come around and said, with you." A what? Yeah. <laughs> a what? And I said, "I've got it on DVD. I'll lend it to you." And said millennial said, "I'll just stream it if I want to watch it." Yeah. Catch up, granddad. So love film. Love film. You used to get DVDs through your letterbox. Through the post, yeah. But then millennials took over the world. They did, and, and that's it. And now he's got to start a new And now he's got to start party. a party. Um, Zoe Williams has written a good piece about this in the New European this week. She is, uh, like most people, I think, are, in the media have been fairly unimpressed with this. Yeah, well, um, I think the, the, the issue with it is, and again, we, we sort of go in over a little bit old ground from last week, but the, the thing is, it's all well and good to have bags of cash, and it's all well and good to have an idea... But it needs to have some seats in Parliament. So it needs to have some MP. It needs the SDP. Well, yeah. So it needs. Yeah, that's. I guess that's the argument, isn't it? Um, I think it, if that... someone on the right of the Labour Party, or I can't see any Tories doing it, but for example, on the far left of the Tory Party, said, "Yeah, all right, we'll spark a by-election, and I'm going to stand under this new centrist party and hear our policies, etc." Then I think it will be taken much more seriously. A bunch of businessmen getting together and saying, "We want to change things." Yeah, you know. Well, is it the the line that that sort of leapt out to me from Zoe's piece, which is really good, um, it, and I'm more enthusiastic about the, this centre party than she is, by the way. Yeah, I think, um, I think I am, and I think a lot of our listeners and readers yeah, will yeah, be yeah, as well, I but... think so. She said, "Is this constructive or is it a howl of rage from a governing elite?" And um, I mean, that's uh, that is certainly a question that many. Well, that people was exactly have... what the what the uh, the Labour Party and I, I I wrote it along these lines on Sunday that I think the Labour Party are a bit spooked by this, and they, and yeah. they were very quick to John McDonald's response was extremely quick, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and so and it was very or a party a party built by rich people for rich people. It doesn't have to be that actually, but uh, but. It's got a long way to go before it's got any credibility, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Do you and you believe you think that it needs defecting MPs do, to have yeah. any sort of shout? I do, or else it's another. We've got. You yeah. wouldn't get any party political broadcasts, would you? But fifty million quid can buy you a lot of it billboards. Can, you it know, can, it can. And it could buy you a very efficient recruit social media recruiting absolutely. campaign. And, it, and if, you, if there's a company based in Cambridge who might be able to <laughs> assist with, maybe or actually maybe not. No, I think probably leave them be for now. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, there there is no doubt that there is a gap in the market for for this party. We know that Britain has voted for for parties of the centre um, and and brought home governments of the centre. New Labour being the obvious example. Mm. Um, so there is room for this party. Tony Blair did a good interview this week on the Today programme saying exactly that. And although he said, "I'm not the man for the job," which is true, he's not. Mm. You know, said we are putting policies together at my foundation that could be used by, by this, this party yeah. or anyone else. And of course, there's a link to you and Blair has been linked to this uh, this new party as well, which is uh, which 
Frank, I don't know you and Blair. I don't really know much about you and Blair. He's, he's got a sort of a start-up, hasn't he? A, a funding start-up. Yes. Is it called White Hat or something like yes, that? Yes, something along those lines, um, yeah. I don't really know much about him, but I can't imagine that you, Tony, the son of Tony Blair is going to greatly enthuse the, the, the populace. No, I, I mean, we're still, we've, we well, not we, me and you, or we, me and the readers and listeners quite possibly, but there is still a toxicity yes. about um, Tony Blair's name, and he admits that himself, you know, that's why he's not the man to lead it, he was asked to use the man to lead this party. There is. Um, and he's not. I mean, the other points that have, most people have covered, which Zoe also covers, is that... Uh, People are, you know, excited about the British Macron and is it David Miliband, could it be Chucker, is it somebody else completely who's not even a politician and obviously Zoe's pointed out that Macron's path to power was very easy because of the French presidential system yeah. and you don't really need the, the, the MPs and the structure yeah. um, that you were talking about. And then also, who will it appeal to? And we had an enthusiastic... Uh, letter which I was I was uh, we had a couple of enthusiastic letters actually which are in this this week's New European Letters page uh, from people who were more enthusiastic about this centre party than most of the media commentators seem to be um, and one of them sort of said well the SDP didn't succeed the UKIP didn't succeed in making a Westminster breakthrough because you know frankly they were UKIP and their leadership fairly you know, unpleasant people and their policies unpleasant. The SDP didn't because they it was a party that was really aimed at a small number of Labour uh, voters yeah, yeah. Um, who um, who were uh, you know who were disenfranchised by Michael Foot uh, Michael Foot's election. And I think you know a cent- any centre party has um, has got to reach out far wider than that, haven't they? Yeah. Well, I th- yeah, and and you know that's why that's why a new centre party can't just be stop Brexit. Yes. It needs to have a full raft of policies across the board. You know, one issue parties don't... I mean, UK yeah. is probably the most successful one of all yeah, time, yeah, actually, yeah. in this country. Is, yeah. But they, And they need, they need those defectors. They need a, you know, a big, wide um, policy reach, uh, not just Brexit by any means. And and that money would, would come in handy. But the other thing, and again, sorry for slightly going over old ground, but what it might do is spook the other parties and drag them a little bit more towards uh, you know uh, towards the center and yes. i mean that i think i think that the sdp were successful in doing that and in getting a, a soft left labor leader after foot in, in neil kinnock yeah well, so more yeah a, so, a softer left leader certainly and because we're not going to get uh, labor is not going to appoint a, a a centrist leader after jeremy corbyn no the the best that the centrist the moderates in labor can hope for is a soft left leader yes um that's right i don't know quite who that would be there is there is some there is some good good mps actually on the on the front bench the likes of um uh, rebecca long bailey i think is doing some good stuff and um um angela angela rayner and Angela Rayner. So there are some there are some good people out there. I mean, I did be a lot of Clive Lewis actually, but um... yeah, yeah. I, and I've got to say, I'm not particularly a fan of Rebecca Long Bailey. I don't think she's. Uh... She speaks very highly of you. I, I, I was in the pub the other night. I know. She was... Angela Rayner, I think, is 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 really effective. She's um, she's very good. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but Long Bailey really likes you. They were her and the Dalek were chatting in the booze. Mm, it's a shame. It's a shame because we've both got similar glasses as well now. Yes. She's adopted the the yes. specs, hasn't she? And you. So, um, centrist party, are we for or against? Well, I'm, 
I'm sort of I'm on the fence. I, I, I don't know. I'm 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 like like everybody else. I'm sort of waiting to see. Yeah. What I will say about it is that it's you know, look clearly people like John McDonnell and Jeremy Corbyn love the Labour Party, don't they? And they labour their version of the Labour well, Party. Well, I think they love the idea of the Labour Party, and they laboured in obscurity, and you know yeah. they, they were they were laughed at and ridiculed, and their ideas were voted down. For many, many years, and yet they stayed in the Labour Party. And, you know, I think that people like Chukka Ramuna love the Labour Party as well. And it will be very hard for the people um, who have been mentioned in this. Uh, it'd be very hard for Anna Subri to leave the Conservatives, I yeah. would imagine. Or Ken very... Clark. I mean, Ken Clark's never going to leave at all. Exactly. So I think it's a, it is really hard, and it's a big, big leap. Uh, uh, for uh, for somebody to leave the Labour Party, which is a which is a, a, a great and lovely organisation. Anyway, we'll see. Good. Shall we talk about the Brexit Museum now? Oh, do you know what? I was I was thinking over Easter. I wish I had just somewhere where the whole to, of this could be. Yeah, the whole to, of the last few years could be. Yeah, well, just somewhere to visit. A nice, nice yeah. gift shop. Yeah, I love exiting via the gift shop. I would like more merch to, you know, to commemorate the day we took back control. It Absolutely. was our Independence Day. Absolutely. And the the, th- the thing is that we're we're surely going to be included in that museum, aren't we? We are. Yeah. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but but on the the day on the twenty fourth of June, twenty sixteen, which I know is a day that we don't like to harp back on. Well, we've banned anyone who writes. We have. We have had to. <laughs> when, yeah, I awoke, when I awoke on, on the, we have. The we've had to. We have had to. So if you are planning thing. on pitching to the New European, yeah, do please not don't start, start your with article them. with that. But. Um, but we, uh, Matt Kelly, the editor of the New European, and I spoke vaguely about um, wanting to do something as a as a, a thing, a protest against this thing. And um, I've started thinking about a website, and Matt quite rightly started thinking about newspaper and a website. And he phoned me later on that day and sort of said, "Where are you? What are you doing?" And um, he had been at home planning out the New European. And I, frankly, was so depressed that I'd just gone to the pub. And he sort of went, we're going to do a newspaper. And I went, and I sort of, sort of went, well, what about a website that I've been thinking about? But anyway, so anyway, but a few minutes after this, the, the doors of the pub swung open. Like in a, Which pub in was old, this? This is the Rifle Volunteer in Oxy Village near Watford. Right. And the doors of the pub swung open like in a, a Wild West film. And, and a man came in and he went, he shouted, lads! We've got our independence back. To which I was proud to say that the three other people and I who were drinking with me turned around and went off. Which he went, oh, sorry about that. Anyway. Well, he'll um, be first in the queue in the Brexit Museum. But he he will be, yeah. So the Brexit Museum... Now, museums are traditionally viewed as these sort of places of enlightenment and learning, aren't they? Yeah, love museums. And they're stuffed with amazing artefacts which tell, you know... This one, um, its organisers have said that they are going to put on display old speeches, mugs, ties and posters right. to tell the story of our exit from the EU. I have old speeches, mugs, ties and posters in my house. Yeah. Maybe I should open it up as a museum. Well, that's the po- Museum of Porrit yeah. with a few DVDs. <laughs> um, Betty Blue playing on the loop. on the loop, yeah. <laughs> And um, I'm I'm highly delighted about easily picking that. First choice as your number one. Um, And Gawain Towler, who used to be UKIP's um, 
press man, didn't he? He did. And he's written for the New European he recently. Has. And, uh, for, um, and Which was a good piece, which was. I disagreed with completely. Yeah, but that's all right. Um, but it was a good piece. And he is involved in this, Gawain, and, uh, who I don't know. Uh, I do like his name, Gawain. And, he has um, got a good name, It's Gawain. a great name. Yeah. And he said... They, I was some, with him once. I couldn't stop saying it. Gawain. Uh, Gawain. Gawain, do you want a drink? Gawain. Gawain. Pint of Green Knight... Yeah. That would be good. No, it's Green King, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's a shame. But anyway, Gawain in the Green King, that could have been a, a, a good... Uh, children's a, tale. A children's tale. Anyway, he, Gawain Taylor was asked what was going to be in this museum, and he said uh, it would be no trouble to find exhibits because, I'm quoting, Nigel Farage has 15 years of UKIP in his garage. <laughs> and I'm just wondering uh, what else would be in Nigel Farage's the Farage garage. <laughs> well, he don't work for me. Cause is, I it like, a garage. is it Farage like garage? Is it like um, the Farage garage? Is it like Arthur Daly's lockup? <laughs> is it like the lockup in the end of the first Prime Suspect? Ah, of course not. Of course <laughs> it isn't. Definitely not. Oh, is it like uh, um, Indiana Jones? And yes, the, that's uh, what I thought so first open, of all. You can imagine those garage doors that sort of go go up and over. Yeah, and then all these ghouls come out and everyone's face melts. Well, that's right. It could be that, or it close could, your eyes. Yeah. Oh no. And then is it, or is it like the the sort of when they put the Ark of the Covenant at the end? And he says, what have we done with the Ark of the Covenant? And they say, we've got top people working on it. And then <laughs> you just see Mrs. Farage, the former Mrs. Farage, sort of wheeling... Um, no, it would be Annabelle, wheeling a, wouldn't it? Yeah, or Annabelle. With or, the moonlight or, uh, shining exactly, through Or one of Farage's uh, ladies just wheeling a burned-out boat um, into a huge warehouse that's full of UKIP artefacts. Anyway, so Nigel Farage is going to make an exhibition of himself again. Boom, boom. Very good. And do you know where they're planning to do this? I do. Go on, tell me. Lincoln. It's in Lincoln, which I thought, what, in Lincolnshire, which was very Brexit, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? The most Brexit county. Yeah, yeah. And then I read it and it said, no, it's in Lincoln. In Lincoln. And then, so I, I looked know at why this. Lincoln. Well, they say, I don't know why. Maybe Gawain Taylor lives in Lincoln because no. it was the turnout in the referendum in Lincoln. If it was in Boston, you could understand that. That was, I think that was. Sort of Brexitville, wasn't Brexitville, it? Brexitville, Boston, yeah. Um, in Lincoln, the referendum turnout was well below the national average, and the Leave vote was fifty-seven percent. And that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Fifty-seven to forty-three, but it wasn't even in the top hundred and forty most Brexity cities and towns in the country. Could have been, I, th- I, mean, I think this would work well in Skegness. So it's a um, so it's a weird sort of place to. Um, to have um, a, a, a museum of Brexit. However, I look forward to the opening night. We can go along and sip. Um, we can warm ale. Um, smoke cigarettes. We can smoke cigarettes and sure drink warm ale. Right. I'm sure we will be very welcome. Our readers have been uh, have been giving us some ideas, uh, and listeners, of course, have been giving us some ideas about what could be in this um, this museum of Brexit at Real Miles Baker on Twitter. He said a big, the big red bus, big the red bus Miles. full of was that the real, yeah, the Miles real Miles, Baker? not the fake Miles yeah, Baker. No, right. Anne Forrest, Anne Forrest or a Forrest? No, she's it's a woman called Anne. Uh, Anne Forrest. She said a unicorn and a blue passport. <laughs> Brian Sci-Fi fan. That's an unusual surname, isn't I it? I wonder what sort of things he's a fan of. Uh, Betty Blue. Uh, <laughs> a bottle of snake oil. Tim Joyce said Schrodinger's impact assessments, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. Come on, at Come on Cov, a half-polished turd, 
Andrea Dexter on Facebook said a stuffed lemming. Paul Siddons, Pandora's box. Citizen Sane said the Brexiteers themselves should be the exhibits uh, as they worship a carefully curated idea of the past. David Hodgkin said a rotting kipper. Tom Hawkins <laughs> said the Brexit Museum should be filled to the rafters with enormous pork pies. Neil Fairbrother said Sounds a funny. bent banana. At yeah. poorboy55 said a flying pig. And I think my favourite is uh, S. Barraclough. At S. Barraclough, E. Double S. Barraclough, he said Damien Hurst should stick Nigel Farage in a tank of formaldehyde and call it the physical impossibility of decency in the mind of someone leading UKIP. Very good. Very good. I like them. Uh, many more uh, to be, can be found uh, on our Facebook pages, on the New European Readers Group, and on at the New European. Check out um, at the museum when you go uh, Godfrey Bloom's sword. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? I didn't see it, no. What's right. he done there? Well, listen, I, we're massively overrunning on time. What I would suggest is that you and the listeners immediately Google Godfrey, Godfrey Bloom's sword. I think we'll leave that there. <laughs> Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry. Hello. How are you? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. And we're going to chat about a bizarre week for the <laughs> Labour Party. Weird, weird, weird. It's, there are, these are weird times, but I'm not sure it could get any weirder for Labour. And yet it keeps getting weirder. <laughs> you do think, what next, mm-hmm. don't you, for Mr Corbyn and the Labour Party? Um, so this kind of, Well, <laughs> there are a number of strands to this, aren't there? Um, but your favourite one is probably the one we should start with. An yeah. unlikely... An unlikely backer for the Labour Party this week. Yes, the former leader of the BNP, self-declared uh, lifelong white rights fighter. Yeah. Um, and the man who I think looks most like a toad that I've ever seen in my life, uh, Nick Griffin. Nick Griffin. He's a... Uh, Blast from the past. Yeah, he's um, funneling his bile into the Labour Party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a tweet, wasn't it? He, um, he basically threatened to vote Labour for the first time in his life because... In these weird times, he somehow identified with um, Jeremy Corbyn's retinence about condemning um, the Syrian president, uh, Bashar al-Assad, um, for this chemical attack. Um, and that fit with uh, Nick Griffin's own own kind of uh, worldview, apparently. Bizarre. I mean, Nick Griffin's a bizarre chap. Yeah. Have you seen on YouTube his cooking videos he does? I haven't, but they All sound right. magical. There you go. Go and find Nick. I think it's called Nick Griffin's British Kitchen or something. Excellent. Is it all like where, steak and ale pie? Yeah, yeah. Where Brilliant. he cooks like proper <laughs> British fare. All right, now, I interviewed Nick Griffin way, way back in about 2004, perhaps. <laughs> Certainly before the tube bombings. And Shall I tell you how old I was? <laughs> 12. <laughs> 12. Okay. <laughs> Um, I was working in Yorkshire at the time. I was just about to leave Yorkshire, actually, and um, there was uh, some BMP councillors. So he mm-hmm. came to visit, and I managed to get this interview with him in a pub. And um, and 
the aim, as I left the newsroom, the aim was get him to either have you removed or for him to walk out of the interview. <laughs> now, neither of those things happened, although I really went for him. I called him, a, you know, I actually accused him of being a Holocaust denier and all. I went, really went for him. And he had these two bruisers sat yeah. next to him. And every time I pointed and accused him of something, they would stand up, these two guys, <laughs> and he would just lower them down with his hands and they would sit back down. Um, he, I mean, he... the. The scary thing at that time about Nick Griffin was that he wasn't as daft as everyone thought. No. He's actually, I think he might have gone daft now. Yeah. But he was a bit cleverer then than everyone thought. But luckily that petered out. So now I, I imagine he'll probably get a front bench job once. I can imagine so. I mean, his the, that tweet was between one calling Donald Trump wise and another yeah. condemning BBC <laughs> lies. I know. So I can imagine that, um, that he'll be on the front bench soon. It is brilliant. And of course, the, uh, this ties in this... Um, I guess you would look back at the history of the far right and think... They quite like invading places and bombing stuff, don't they? Well, yes. But the thing with Griffin is, of course, that he's he's and the, like the Bannons of this world, and these people are convinced that the you know intervention has the knock-on effect of immigration. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So yeah. you know, they're happy to look at pictures of children spewing their own bile and dying on the streets of uh, of, of Syria because you know. There won't be any brown people coming to get our jobs. Absolutely. absolutely. What an absolute f- wit of a man. Mm-hmm. I And uh, has Jeremy said anything about Nick Griffin's... Uh... Do, do you even kind of, you know, honour it with a response? Well, I would have done. If <laughs> I you? was Jeremy Corbyn, I would have said that, much like Johnny Marr banned David Cameron from liking the Smiths, <laughs> I would have said that... You cannot like us. I would have said, if I was Jeremy Corbyn, that you are not welcome to even speak the name of the Labour Party. You are you are a vile, vile Absolutely. toad of a man. Yep. Back to your kitchen, go and prepare some Lancashire hot pot, <laughs> you almighty... You're going for a job as an official spokesman? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I'd do a damn sight better job than some of Labour spokesmen, a damn sight better job. That's not a pitch for a job, by the way, Jeremy, I'm afraid I don't fancy that gig. I don't want to be shoveling your poo all day. What next? What next? Well, what been, could what, could what else could possibly Nick? go wrong? <clears throat> um, well, the whole um, ugly row about anti-Semitism is rumbling on, isn't it? Just a bit. Yeah. So you've got the um, the Israeli Labour Party who have basically cut ties, haven't they, and said we're not having anything to do with with uh, with Labour over over this row, and it's um, it's it's not a great look for Corbyn. It's not, and it, it's actually really damaging. Yeah. And it, it, who who would have thought? Um, that this could have happened, uh, to, you know, two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just an extraordinary place for them to be. And what? Wh- how should Jeremy have handled this? Do you think? Um, I think he should have handled it the way that he's handled this whole kind of row and just put it to bed. Yeah. I think half of the reason this is kind of rumbled on for so long is that he won't just come out and kind of say, right, enough is enough. This isn't this isn't right, and you know and kind of quell both sides of the party because it, just, it, it is both sides isn't it it's you just know. could have been sorted so long ago this. yeah absolutely and it's been it's grown you know it's like a it's like a little toothache that is now a rotting mouth of filth oh lovely what yeah. a lovely image yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm being quite poetic today aren't you I? are you uh, are i mean the, the problem is isn't it there, there's been no shortage of evidence kind of come to light that seems to back up the allegations that there is rife anti-semitism in the Labour Party. You see social media posts after social media yeah. posts. 
But on the other hand, you know, it's like, is it is it is it an attack on Corbyn, as like people on the left of the party are saying? I think that the main concern for, without wanting to go too, I, I mean, you're absolutely right, and and we haven't got time, or perhaps the inclination to go deep into mm. whether or not the Labour Party has a major problem with anti-Semitism or whether these are, you know, smears from whoever to, no. to try and unstable the party. But it, but whether that is true or not, the one salient fact about this whole problem is that Labour are losing voters. Yeah. And, and it doesn't seem to concern Jeremy Corbyn. And I mean, I know, you know... He's at the top of a fractious party, but we're coming into local elections and those, you know, Labour candidates in areas that have a strong Jewish population are telling him that on the doorstep this is causing them problems. Yeah, it's yeah, causing yeah. pushback. Absolutely. And if it's losing them voters, you know, in the local elections, it's gonna do the same yeah. nationally yeah. when finally an election is called. Absolutely. And and again, I think what we see from Jeremy is I've said it a million times on this pod and elsewhere. Jeremy Corbyn ran a very good campaign. Mm. He did. Jeremy Corbyn did. If you look at Labour's wider campaign, I'm not sure really. But he is a great campaigner. He's great on the stump. He's great in front of a crowd. And he won lots of votes. But he's not a leader. No. A a, a proper leader of the Labour Party would have sorted this out way back. The Chakrabarti report... It's barely been implemented, from what no, no, I can no. tell. No, absolutely it's not. It's just sat gathering dust. And it should have been a nip it in the bud type thing and yeah. get it get it sorted straight yeah. away. And that's why it's blown up into, well, such a crisis that it is now. Absolutely. And it's not going to go away. This no. will rumble on and on. But my, f- I think uh, your favourite was Nick Griffin this <laughs> week. But I think my favourite was bungling Barry Gardner. <laughs> tell us about Barry. <laughs> well, he's called uh, the um, Brexit test... Yeah. Let's get. I'll, I'll just read out. I've got them in front of me. The Brexit test. Let's read them out, and, and you can you can tell me whether you think it's <laughs> or not. Oh, oh, excellent! All right. So this is from Kia, who we've got we've got quite a lot of respect for yeah, in this yeah. podcast, so Kia. So, um, so Kia Starmer's six tests uh, for what Brexit should look like, for what we should still have or not have after yeah. after we have um, transitioned. A fair migration system for UK business and communities. <laughs> no, no, of course we should have that. No, 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 we should have that. that. All right. I thought you were going all Brexit then, I mean. Okay. Retaining strong collaborative relationship with the EU. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Protecting national security and tackling cross border crime. Sure. Yeah. Sounding good so far. Delivering for all nations and regions of the UK. Sounds fair. It does. Protecting workers' rights and employment protections. Well, that's a big one for Labour, isn't big it? Big one so, for yeah. Labour, yeah. Ensuring same benefits currently enjoyed within single market. That'd be nice, wouldn't be it? Nice. But, so yeah. That's the sticky one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's the sticky one. But nonetheless, I think it's hard to call any of those Yeah. Um, but that is exactly what he did. So he was, he was recorded at this event in Brussels last month in March. And he was asked about the six tests. And he said, well, let's just take one test, the exact same benefit. Always has been and it remains it. We know very well that we cannot have the same benefits and actually it would have made sense because it was the Tories that said we were going to secure the exact same benefits and our position should have been to say they have said they're going to secure the exact same benefits and we're going to hold them to that standard. Well, I mean, I can see his point, but he's a front bencher. Yeah. So Keir Starmer is also a front bencher. Mm-hmm. There's such a thing as collective responsibility, on, supposedly, on these front benches. So this is a massive 
ball drop yeah. by Gardner. But the other thing, I think, which has really annoyed the right of the party, mm-hmm. is that a very competent um, shadow minister, Owen Smith, yes. who ran a very bad leadership campaign, but nonetheless very competent, was given the bullet... Well, yeah, for wanting a second referendum. For saying, I want a second referendum. Yeah. But Barry Gardner has done worse than that, in my opinion, and he's happily flaunting around on Question Time. Look at me, I'm Barry Gardner. (laughs) Big God Barry. As we call him. Barry, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I think there is a problem, I think, with the six tests, in that when they were kind of, you know, announced the landscape was much different um the the, the tories were obviously stronger etc etc but but i don't think that means that they have to be completely <laughs> at this stage i think that barry needs to rein it in a little bit to be yeah. honest and fall into line he also made a little bit of a, a jewish faux pas as well oh. but maybe we'll just leave <laughs> that where it is so an incredible bonkers week for for labor uh, how is it possible for them to steady this ship? It just seems like it, they're just bag of badgers fighting each other, aren't they? Yeah, look, obviously, I um, I think with all of these things, it goes back to kind of nipping things in the bud and having kind of that tough leadership that Corbyn doesn't have. Mm. I think these all could have been quite easily solved with a bit more of that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and um, say that... Uh, Theresa May's um, any kind of strong leader, but you know she does. She is able to whip him into shape at times. Well, the thing <laughs> is that to be fair to Theresa May, and we're not often fair to Theresa May on this podcast, but to be fair to Theresa May, you know her cabinet has been divided. Yeah, she's it's still divided, the, but she's had exactly the same issue yeah. of infighting within her party, yeah, and that course. still goes on. Um, but it's a lot less messy. It's a lot less. Feels less messy. It feels like she's got it a little bit more under control. And a bit more organised. A bit less. But all I'd, over the place. The thing with Jeremy is, I don't think he's got any desire to sort these issues out. No. I just don't think he thinks it's a problem. No, absolutely not. And But I think it will be a problem um, come election time, and it'll be a problem at the ballot box. Well, the first test of that will be at the beginning of May in this local election, so we shall see. Jerry, always great to speak to you. Thank you very much. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. Steve... Tell us who the Brexiteer of the week is. It's not Nigel Farage, uh, the national embarrassment and nicotine stained manfrog. What? But he does feature in our in our list. Um, I don't know if you saw this that the the boat burning escapades yeah. in uh, where were they in? Um, they were a few, weren't they? They were in Kent. Yeah, they were in Kent, some uh, in Newcastle. I, think. I, don't, I don't know whether burnt boats. I don't know whether the where was. I don't. I can't remember where the one that he attended was. Was it near Whitstable, which is a lovely place? But anyway, it was the other Wally that went to Kent, wasn't it? Uh, Henry Bolton. Yeah. I think they were both at the same one. Oh, Although really? okay. Henry Bolton has been snubbed now, hasn't he, by fishing for yeah. uh, leave or, or whatever. They've yeah. told him not to come to any more of their boat burnings. Anyway, Nigel Farage, check this out on YouTube, uh, where there are lots of interesting videos of Nigel Farage, actually, over, over the last uh, posted over the, recently. Um, but Nigel Farage... <laughs> Uh, that's a private joke, I'm afraid. <laughs> In joke. Um, Nigel Farage, there is a great video of him at this boat burning thing uh, with the fisherman. A man, a man approaches him, he has got a U, an EU flag in his hand, he is try, about to burn it. Nigel Farage, sensing a great photo opportunity, puts his arm around the man uh, for the cameras. The man tries to set light to the flag. 
the flag does not burn because it is flame retardant thanks to <laughs> EU regulations and on the video you can see after about a few seconds of this, 15 seconds, 10 seconds, say Nigel Farage sort of slinks off <laughs> to the side. It's great to see him. Mike Reed. Oh yeah! Oh, oh. the multicolour swap shop. No, that was Noel Edmonds. What it was, was Mike Reed did uh, Saturday Superstore. Saturday Superstore. Mike Reed. He battened Frankie. Um, he did. He, um, he, he hosted the, the Saturday Superstore, didn't he? He, he did. Did, um, did he do? Um, did he make a record? He made he made some terrible records, didn't he? He, did he, made, make, he certainly made one very terrible. But record. He, but of course, he also made the UKIP Calypso, which he sang in his cod Jamaican accent. Yes, because uh, that's not like a controversial that. thing for him to do. No, he has joined a new internet radio station. Do you know this? It's called United DJs, and Tony Prince, who I remember from being on Radio Luxembourg when I was a kid, uh, and I'm very old, so that's a long time ago. Yeah, Tony Prince. Describes United DJs as the Brexit channel. We are throwing out friendship through the radio and embracing all the countries of the world. So Mike Reed, the UKIP Calypso man, has joined the uh, the Brexit channel uh, on radio. There was a great interview with Mike Reed, and he said, uh, people, somebody said, why are you calling this United DJs? And he said, well, think back to 1919 and the founding of United Artists. Very similar. Uh, and that was founded in 1919 by Charlie Chaplin, Mary Pickford. Douglas Fairbanks and D.W. Griffith, all of whom then were Hollywood legends at the height of their powers. And United DJ's main lineup is quite similar. It's Mike Reed, Emperor Roscoe, Diddy David Hamilton and Dave Lee Whack Whack Oops Travis. And their combined age is 297. So totally similar. It's very similar. I, I, I mean, almost inseparably similar. I have been missing Paul Nuttall. Yeah, and then over Easter, while we were away, he was collared. Did you see this in the? In, he was collared by um, ITV in the European Parliament. Yeah, and he was that they asked him to explain his forty-two percent voting record at the EU Parliament, which is one of the worst in Brussels, and how that justified his eighty thousand pound a year annual salary. And Paul Nuttall didn't say, "Well, I, you know, I've been exploring the moon, and you know." We've got important Champions League ties to play. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to him... He just brazened well, it out. He said, I'm worth every penny to the people of Northwest, the Northwest, because if it wasn't for people like me, Brexit wouldn't have happened. I won Brexit. I'm worth every single penny because I helped get Brexit. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's good, because I'm worth it. Paul Nuttall. <laughs> so we look forward to you on the next L'Oreal advert. Um... Liam Fox in his magical socks. Do you yes. know where his magical? Do you, if you didn't listen to the podcast last week, you won't know this. But if Liam Liam Fox has got a pair of magical socks, and they've got little pound signs on, haven't they? And, and that. And when he rubs them together, he can go fly anywhere in the world at the taxpayer's expense for no good reason whatsoever. Yes, I'm aware of this. Yeah. Um, and now this week, Foxy's gone to Hollywood. This Foxy goes to Hollywood. <laughs> he is. Uh, in California this week, and he's got massively important trade talks planned um, with Warner Brothers uh, and with a firm called Double Negative. Um, I, I was hoping at Warner Brothers they would bring out the Animaniacs to negotiate <laughs> with him. Who I, I think they would, you know, they would be on the same level. Um, Warner Brothers, of course, are the co the company behind Ready Player One, which I went to watch with my son you last loved it, week. Didn't you? I thought it was. Possibly worse than Brexit, one of the worst things <laughs> that I've ever seen in my life. 
uh, please don't go and see Ready Player One. It is a totally joyless experience, and anyone who tells you that it isn't people like commode for a what does he know about cinema that's completely wrong it also contains hair, i love simon Pegg. i know a lot of people don't like simon Pegg. i really like simon Pegg. it contains a performance by simon Pegg, which must well i was going to say it must be seen to be believed it must not be seen it's even simon Pegg can't do who is fantastic oh cannot do anything with this oh dear. anyway um so warner brothers were behind ready player one double negative are responsible for the visual effects, some of the visual effects, behind Blade Runner 2049. And I just can't think of what could have attracted Liam Fox to tales of dystopian futures in which poor and downtrodden masses are kept in check with shiny technology. Well, there's, you know, all the food runs out and there's, you know, stuff rots on the... It's weird to think, isn't it? I wonder what could have attracted him to it. Um, Anyway, so but he is not the Brexiteer of the week because... The Brexiteer of the Week is a guy called Massimo Pinto. And I was unaware of this bloke's work before. And I wanted to congratulate him because he has become the UKIP candidate for Peterborough's Paston and Walton Ward in the upcoming May local elections. And I wanted to do a piece all about how brilliant it was that Massimo Pinto... Had, uh, who's, who uh, hails from Italy, has become yeah. a, a UKIP candidate for Peterborough's pa- uh, Paston and Walton Ward. Well, I think it's very out, it's it's very outward looking on the behalf. It's of really UKIP good. There. And but then, unfortunately, somebody started looking through Massimo Pinto's old um, tweets, oh. and uh, and apparently between twenty thirteen and uh, twenty twelve and twenty thirteen, he posted several sexist and sexually explicit messages on oh. Twitter, oh. which is a shame, isn't it? Um, yeah, but the chief of staff in number 10. Yeah, of course, yeah, not yeah. Not the sexist ones. And, um, but on the 22nd of February 2013, and this is a man standing for the local council in Peterborough, yeah. he tweeted, hashtag places to never ever visit Peterborough. <laughs> and... <laughs> and oh. All the nominations are in now, so it's too late to for them to replace the man who says you should oh. never go to Peterborough as a, as a, a local councillor um, in Peterborough, a prospective oh local councillor in Peterborough. I really like the UKIP statement on this, which I think was possibly written by Bart Simpson. And he, The statement read, Massimo can't remember doing this, but he doesn't claim that he didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> the lad is deeply ashamed and embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So Massimo Pinto, I don't think you're going to you're going to uh, your refreshing honesty is not going to win you the hearts and the votes of the, the people of Peterborough. But you are the Brexiteer of the week. Congratulations. What should the listener, yeah, do right now? The listeners, <laughs> the listeners should uh, should follow us on Twitter at the New European. They should uh, become a member of our fantastic Facebook New European Readers Group. Uh, they should follow the New European, like the New European on Facebook if they've not already done that. If you really enjoyed this podcast, and frankly, with all the Betty Blue revelations and the Liam Fox's magical socks, who who would not next, have enjoyed next it? Next week, in honour of my love of Betty Blue, I'm just going to wear an apron. Shall we? Yeah, we, that's, that's right. <laughs> that would be good. I'll do um, it. I tell you what, let's, this will be, people will know this because I imagine quite a few of our listeners will have watched the film Betty Blue, but I first watched Betty Blue 
um, at the Arban Cinema in Hume in Manchester. Um, it was in the week that it came out, and I was a big fan of uh, what's he called Ben X uh, and his film. His, not his previous film that wasn't very good, The Moon in the Gutter, but the film he made before that, which was um, Diva, which is a fantastic film. And so I went to see this, and it was very very noisy in the cinema as it always was in the Arban uh, at the start of a cinema as people sort of lit fags up and opened surreptitious cans of breaker and all of this kind of stuff <laughs> uh, and chatted among themselves and I have never seen a cinema shut up as much as they did at the start of Betty Blue and anyone who knows that will know what I'm um, what I'm on about. If you've enjoyed this uh, podcast though you should uh, whatever your podcatching equipment of choice is whether it's iTunes whether it's Audio Boom anything else please give us a great review many many stars many many hearts uh, and do please do that for us and you can follow me on Twitter uh, if you like it's at Sanglesey uh, S A N G L E S E Y you can follow me at Porritt P O W R I T also, big news for the podcast this week, you can now listen to us on Spotify. Oh yes you can, I've forgotten about So check about us that. out on Spotify and we should also mention that there is a brilliant new range of new European merchandise which you can find in the paper but you can also find if you click on the link for shop on our website. You can. Do it. Do it. Spend a fortune. Enjoy. <laughs> That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean uh, a great deal to us. If you haven't already, go and buy the paper. We're back after our Easter break. There's lots of good stuff in there. We've talked about some of it already. But there's also tons of culture, tons of art, tons of other stuff that you will love. Until next week, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Just wanted to spread the arts. Spread the arts. What is it? Spread the arts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.